0: This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream
1: and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards
0: your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 38 of Aviation Careers Podcast. Are you returning to the cockpit? Wondering where you should start in your career? You want some recommended reading for those wanting to become a military pilot, looking for that first break, or are you wondering what type of flight school you should go to, either 141 or Part 61? Well, today's episode is a continuation of Episode 37, where we discuss questions and answers with Tom Wachowski. Tom Wachowski, as you remember, is a corporate pilot who flew for the airlines, and he brings a really unique perspective. you want to listen to that, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash 37. Well, if you really like listening to this podcast, I appreciate your going out to AviationCareersPodcast.com and visiting our sponsors. By visiting our sponsors, that helps us bring this content to you. Well, let's get started with the conversation that was ongoing from our last episode. we got about an hour's worth of, of content here for you. And remember, if you have any questions about what we've discussed or anything new you want to talk about or any suggestions for further guests, just Go to com slash contact and send us a message. I'll get back to you personally and also share those questions here on the podcast. Well, let's get started with the uh, questions and answers with Tom Wachowski. The next question is uh, from Kenneth. I'm not going to get into certain specifics about this question because he mentioned some of his employer, but uh, I'll try to take some of that out of here. But here's uh, here's from Kenneth. He says, first off, congrats on your A320 type rating and your happiness at landing a, at a company you feel so great to be working for. I, I hope also – uh I hope also to find a great fit. I think you will. I think you will, Kenneth. Uh, I am someone whose life has pulled me from my flying several times, but I continue to have a drawback into flying. I know you have repeated many times in your podcast not to give up on your dream, to be an aviation, and to persevere. Being pulled away from my flying has been expensive in more ways than one. He makes a really good point here. Uh, now I have just over a thousand hours. With the fifteen hundred hour rule, I am someone who has found themselves with seven hundred fifty multi turbentine and not qualified to get a job for cargo or passenger. I'm feeling like I'm stuck in a spot right now and would really appreciate some ideas and advice. It's it's pretty interesting because this happens. People get pulled away from aviation. The rules change, and then, oh, my gosh, I can't get a job. Uh, I Hey, man, I, I feel for you too, by the way, Kenneth, because this happened to me. I went and got a job with an airline, and I had uh, over 1,600 hours, but I only had about 78 hours of multi-engine time. We had just bought a multi, and I was just starting to teach in it, and the airline hired me. And I was like, wow, this is great. And then on September 11th of 2001, I lost my job. And at that point, I only had 140 hours of multi-engine time. I couldn't even find a job flight instructing at a local FBO because I didn't have enough piston twin-engine time. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel your pain there. And and it's it was. It was very difficult to move forward. Not only that, I had other airlines calling me asking me, if I could go fly for them and I said, Hey, listen, I don't have the qualifications because they wanted 200 hours of multi. I didn't even have that. So, so the, the point here is that make sure that when you do try to qualify for an airline, you have the qualifications for, for many different airlines. Uh, a lot of folks kind of want to take shortcuts or whatever. And in, in my case, I took a risk and it didn't work out. Uh, I took the risk that if I just, just started instructing in a twin, you know, I was like, ah, what could happen? I 8 months down the road I was actually probably going to be a captain and then 911 happened so you never ever know what's going to happen in in your life um he talks about uh, some other airlines that he's flown for and he's actually flown some uh, second in command time on CRJ 900s uh, he's he's got some really good flight time, and he's just right right there. So, uh, and he took a, a job actually flying for an airline that he, excuse me, working for an airline on a non flying job uh, that he was flying for before. So he he really wants to to move forward. He's also taken the ATP written exam and uh, hoping to get in the front seat. But the the thing with the written exam is that your written exam expires, uh, except if you're working for a Part One Twenty One airline, it doesn't. Doesn't expire. So uh, if you can hang on with the airline, that's what I did. I got hired, took my ATP, and it it was good for a long time. And I had the airline do my airline transport pilot license, my upgrade. Again, the ATP is airline transport pilot license. That's what's required to be a captain in an airline. It's also now what they're requiring, uh, for people to have as far as minimum hours when they do go into an airline right now. So right now he's, he's also wondering, uh, can he get hired with a 135 operator? uh and is his is atp going to stay valid just like it would with a with the part 121 that i'm not sure of actually uh i don't i know he's had a lot of people have commented either way uh tom do you know if if your atp written will still uh,
1: remain in place even if you work for a 135 uh on demand operator that's a really good question my my um un well my first thought is yes if he is flying as a Captain 135, I, I and I'm speaking in from more of the corporate jet world, but I know, rather, I don't know anyone flying corporate jets in the left seat who does not have an ATP. And if an airline wants an ATP, an ATP is an ATP. Uh, so I, 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 the initial answer off the top of my head is is probably yes, but that's definitely one that I'd have to dig into the regs for.
0: Right, right, and I, and that's something. If if someone has an answer, let us know. I we haven't been able to get that, and that's another reason I ask is I, I haven't gotten a, a straight answer there. But I do know in on 121 it doesn't expire. Uh, but as far as as mo- <laughs> You know, my advice is try as hard as you can to get enough hours to get your ATP. I understand that the, the FA has gone more to quantity instead of quality time uh just because of a Colgan crash, which is kind of crazy because uh or odd I should say, because of the fact that the two pilots that were flying in that crash had more than enough hours yeah. uh than than is required in this new ATP rule. So there's there's more to to do with the quality of training. We keep coming back to that. Uh, so that, that's really, really important, but any way you can get hours is really important. You know, I keep going back to being a flight instructor. Boy, I tell you, no. that's a, that's a great way to build tons of hours he- if you're a good instructor. If
1: he's got it. some really oh, good time. Yeah, I mean, and you know what comes time. to my mind is—is is this uh, this cartoon I saw the other day? I know I always come up with these crazy analogies, but they're yeah, so—they right. end up holding so true. Is there was two guys digging for gold, and one guy was about you know he's just feet from the gold uh, vein, and he just gives up. He says, "I've been digging and digging, digging, and I give up." And the other guy just keeps digging for two more feet and hits the gold vein. And I just think of that as I read you know this story here with all this really good quality flight time he's like the guy that's just two feet from the gold vein you know if you can just figure out a way to dig through those next two feet you're done yeah. uh you're so much further ahead than probably it feels
0: oh and, and you know people would die for it, the type of time he has
1: yeah i mean yeah.
0: look at all the turban time he's got yeah. 750 i mean there's so many folks that would love to have that, that type of time but you know get out there get hey if you want to go work for a cargo carrier or whatever it's you know, get that, that pilot and command, or excuse me, that cross-country time built up, your total time built up, and just get it done because it uh, it's not going to take very long. No. It really, really isn't. I mean, I, I gosh, I'm, what's this, uh, August, September, October, or September's coming up. Uh, gosh, I mean, I've already got about 480 hours of flight time, and I I didn't realize it happened quicker than I thought. I can't believe it's it's happened so quickly. So yeah, I I really think that that's a a great idea. He also mentioned something too about becoming a tanker pilot, uh fighting wildfires. Uh but there's um but he also needs to again work on getting the flight time. Those are some cool jobs. I know a couple guys that do firefighting. Uh the guys that I know that do firefighting don't do fixed wing. They do helicopters and they love it. Absolutely love it and one of the guys I talked to, he said that it was probably the most satisfying job he's ever had yeah because you're not only saving people's lands and lives you're saving the firefighters lives on the ground and uh, and making it safer for them so that's that's a really cool job if you can get that but hang in there that's my biggest advice you're yeah. almost there Keep it's digging. Right around the corner. <laughs> you know? yep. uh, but again, I didn't read your whole question because there was a lot he gave uh, personal information about the airlines he was working for. I didn't want to repeat the companies <laughs> he's with there. Uh, you know, Again, your privacy is really important to us here. Uh, so hopefully that will answer your question, Kenneth, and thanks so much for that question. Uh, the next question comes from Brennan. Brennan says, I will be a first-year student at uh, a community college this fall and enrolling in an aviation program. I've applied for financial aid that will cover a fair amount of my schooling, but there's a large financial gap I need to fill. More than I can cover from just working. I know there are a lot of scholarships and grants available out there, but don't know where to go to find all of them. Is there a list of them that you would recommend or a good resource for finding them? Brennan, this is exactly one of the projects that I'm working on now. its It's been kind of what's... Changed in my life recently. I've I've actually, uh, but am biting the bullet. I'm actually hiring somebody to help me just put together a list of all these and keep that list updated. We're probably going to be putting that also in our book. Uh, we are going to have a book on aviation grants, loans, and scholarships. It's turning out to be a, an encyclopedia, is how <laughs> big it's getting. Uh, You wouldn't believe uh, the pages and pages. There are so many grants, loans, and scholarships out there. But for right now, uh, I do have some links on on my website, com. loans, grants, and scholarships. I have tabs on the website. Uh, Those are the basic ones you can start with. Uh, there, there are many, many more out there and I've been working with a bunch of organizations and they've been feeding me that information. Uh, as a matter of fact, the FAA has some good, good links to grants, loans, and scholarships. Uh, some are FinAid, which are available to everybody. Some of them you may, you gotta think outside the box though when you're thinking about scholarships in, in particular. Because you can get scholarships from many organizations you wouldn't even think of. Uh, uh, women in aviation, black, black pilots association. There's all sorts of cool stuff out there you can get scholarships for. And you may not think you, you, you can actually apply for them, but any, anybody can apply for those. Uh, you know, the women in aviation, the, uh, there's, uh, the AOPA scholarships. Uh, there's uh, the Collins Foundation, I think, has a scholarship. There's there's just so much out there. Like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to put some of those together. Uh, there's a thing called avscholars.com, but they've been, uh, avscholarships.com, but he's uh, not been updating that, and he wrote a book a while back. It's a Delta Captain, and that's actually something we're working on right now to get completed. But for in the meantime, we're just going to keep putting links out there on our website at uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com. Uh, also on my blog, you'll see it at Expert Aviator.
1: And and don't forget, uh, you know, earlier we were talking, uh, answering one question, Carl, I forget whose it was. And I mentioned uh, a lot of airports have like groups or boards or, or associations. And when you're thinking of scholarships, don't forget your local airport because I know our Airport that I fly out of. Just in December, we had a big safety stand down meeting. The group, the business aviation group at that airport, where they gave away three scholarships, and I think they were all for a thousand bucks. And so those are a little dents. So don't forget, um, your local airport may have money to give you.
0: And that's a great point. There's there's so many local organizations. There's some organizations, for instance, they only give scholarships in New Hampshire, say, and and they help out. Only schools in New Hampshire. So there's a lot of digging to do out there. Um, there's not a real good resource. That's what we're trying to put together for you is, is that resource. I haven't, like I said, I, I've been very committed to doing this for you and, and for anybody because there's, there's one thing that, that has become my life's work other than this. Aviation Careers podcast and helping people and inspiring people to to go forward with their career goals in aviation or any career, but it's also trying to find the money. I mean, that that's really been discouraging for me somewhat. And you know what? I I said to myself, I got to do something about it. I really want to help some of you folks find the money so that you can actually move forward with your education. Because the toughest thing when I was instructing was a guy coming in and saying to me or a gal saying, you know, I, I can't do the lesson, I don't have any money. And the worst thing to do is interrupt your training, uh, especially when you're working towards any type of a flying job or any type of flying in general, any skill, because then you have to relearn it. And it's, it's frustrating for the instructor, not just for the person taking the lessons. So uh but yeah definitely we'll, we'll we'll be having that that list up there shortly but there are some out there already uh so just go to the website i keep adding them every day so check them out Uh next one is uh, next question is from Harpreet it's uh it says Hi I'm Harpreet Singh from Mumbai India I'm 18 years old I find Aviation Chris podcast to be honest and has given me a hope that I can somewhere be involved with airplanes I'm confused where to land in this vast field of aviation I'd really appreciate if you could help me. Regards. Again, Harpreet, it's a that's a general question, and and just going back to our other questions, it's what is it you want to do? Do you want to fly airplanes? Uh, do you want to be around them? Meaning that you want to be involved in dispatching? I actually have a, a dispatcher that I'll be interviewing, and uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be interviewing a dispatcher who also was a corporate. Uh, 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 flight attendant, too, and also has their dispatch license. So it's quite interesting. You can be around airplanes there. Uh, do you want to be fixing them? Do you want to be actually in the cockpit flying them? Uh, there are, you know, so many jobs out there uh, involved with aviation that don't necessarily uh, have you actually in the cockpit flying the air- airplane. Again, I go back to some of those general uh, books out there, you know what's going to make you happy. You know what colors your parachute's good. But there's there's another a, a bunch of resources out there, and we've we've had some suggestions on the podcast in the past uh, as far as you know what it, what is it you what is your muse? What is it that makes you tick? What 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 is your passion in aviation? For me, it was flying airplanes. But it was also helping people obtain their goal. And the best thing for me to do was become a flight instructor. And then it was to do this podcast. Uh, so that, that's just my example of what I've done and yours may be different, but, but just you're only 18 years old and, uh, you've got so many years ahead of you. So I, I, I still encourage you to keep moving, moving forward and, and just try to, try to look at everything. And, I, and we'll try to give you as much information about all the different jobs out there.
1: Tom, any, anything to add to that? No, you nailed that on the head, Carl. That, they hit that nail on the head. It, it's just, it's so important to figure out what you want. You know? And, and, and if, you know, if you think of aviation, think about what is it in aviation that just lights you up? You know, when you, when you think of working on a turbine engine, does that just fire you up? Would you get out of bed and do that for free? I mean, that's your ki- those are the kinds of clues that'll point you in the right place uh, to land in the right place in aviation.
0: You know, and, and it's true. I mean, as a matter of fact, speaking of that, uh, we had an episode before about, uh, flying and, and transitioning to careers from the military to the airlines. And, you know, a lot of people listening to this right now are saying, gee, you know, I would have loved to become an Air Force pilot. Well, Jonathan, we a- answered a question from our last episode. He actually wrote us back, and, and this next uh, question comes from him. Let me, let me read you what Jonathan has to say because he has some really cool information. Uh, it's from Jonathan. He says, just listen to episode 36. And wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to answer my question. You not only answered my questions, but went above and beyond. Steve's experience and inputs only made the episode all that better. Uh, as a reminder, episode 36, I had Steve on. Steve actually uh, was uh, one of the people that I worked with uh, helping folks that were on military leave and also helping people decide whether to make the jump over to the airlines. He continues, I have already shared it with my wife and a few friends. I hope it helps others as much as it's helped me. I'm so glad it helped you out. If you're ever in the Panhandle in Florida, let me know. I'll treat you to dinner. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll take you up on the dinner, but you also got to buy me a beer because I like beer. <laughs> <laughs> one of, the, one, of the, one of the downsides is is that I get to sample beers all over the country, but I also gain weight doing that. And uh, I have a, I have a thing for blueberry beer, but I also I love that's that's another neat thing about this job is that you can sample you know whether you like going to different art festivals, uh, you know history, you know like me, I like to sample all sorts of different types of beer all over the country. Uh, it's it's really a lot of fun, really a lot of fun. So uh, uh, he continues, I <laughs> crest. I also help people who are inspi- aspiring to become Air Force pilots achieve their dream. And that's, uh, that's really cool that he does this. He wrote an e-book, which is available at most retailers, called Your Road to Wings, How to Become an Air Force Pilot. Uh, so you can download a copy of that uh, at uh, you know all these different retails like Amazon.com. I have a link to it on my website. Uh, as a matter of fact, we'll probably have Jonathan come on someday on one of the episodes to talk about how to become an Air Force pilot because he has a really cool resource out there. And I think the book is is, is super cheap, and I think everybody who's interested in becoming an Air Force pilot should download that. He's an Air Force pilot. Uh, just to give you a background, he he was wondering if he should make the jump to the airlines. Uh, I personally – you know, there's a lot of things involved. In that decision like we talked about for a whole episode <laughs> uh, but it's it's you know what's best for your situation I will say one thing things are really starting to move in the airlines right now so uh, but, but Jonathan thanks, thanks for that comment and, and that information uh, the, I, I'm really excited I haven't read the book yet but I'm really excited to, to take a look at that and uh, again that's uh, Smashwords I think is one of the, where he published it through but you can buy it through a lot of different uh, resources Our next question is uh, from Cameron. Uh, He's talking about resuming flying after a, a long absence. He says, Hi, guys. My name is Cameron, and I'm 28 years old from Sydney, Australia. When I was 14, I began flight training, and by 16, I was flying solo before driving solo. That's cool. That's really neat. At this stage of my life, I was very self-assured and determined on working towards a singular goal that one day was becoming an airline fly, airline pilot. During my final year of high school, I was working hard to make a couple of bucks and getting some extracurricular activities, such as being the captain of my school and soccer teams, to my credit. It was also at this time... That I was in my first relationship that ended in the worst possible time before sitting for my high school examinations. Subsequent to this, I fell into a long despair and depression and lost touch with my old aspirations. This experience changed my whole world and I avoided relationships, lost faith in others and began to resort to alcohol in uh, in the hope to easing the pain. Uh, this this happens to a lot of folks. Uh, life after school was not the life I had always envisioned. I could watch aircraft overhead and just wonder how I could have allowed other forces to get in my way uh the story which we i won't go into too much detail here is uh he uh wound up uh getting in some trouble and uh found himself in a courtroom and uh he got in trouble and uh now has uh has you know i think he said a dui on his license but he did uh went to see an arnold Schwarzenegger movie and uh when he came out to or uh I guess he was in Sydney a couple of months ago. And one of the things that he said was, stuck with him was, ignore the naysayers. I think that's a very important point and ignore the naysayers. Uh, since getting in trouble, I have been largely influenced by others, people's attitudes toward me resuming my flying training comments, such as, you will never pass security background checks, for example, was one of the things they said. Uh, but that didn't deter him. It deter him. Uh, he says, he continues, but yesterday in the mail, after a long wait, I received my security-restricted area card and my student pilot's license. My aviation medical, and I'm told, is on the way. Basically, a green light to go ahead. Here is the important question. My question basically is this. Have I left it too late to get involved in airline flying? I say no. Uh, say I eventually get my hours and experience up to airline standards, and I'm going to be outside the age brackets that they might consider employing. I am very happy to have a second chance here, and I'm sure being backed up in the air is going to have a huge impact on my confidence and happiness. Thanks for taking the time to consider my message and enjoy your podcast very much. Kind regards. Now, I tell you what, there, there's a couple things in here I want to talk about. Number one, uh, th- this happens to a lot of people, and I've had to deal with this at, at my last job. Folks uh sometimes get themselves in trouble, either drugs alcohol they might get in in arrested or get involved with the law. I tell you one of the the the, uh, the limitations to this is the fact that there are certain places that will not hire you if you do have uh anything in your background and, and this is the reason why there are certain countries that won't allow you in that country unless uh your that arrest was more than ten years old. Uh, and, uh, in particular, Canada. Canada has some of the toughest laws when it comes to alcohol and drunk driving. And I've been through this a bunch of times with people I've flown with. And, uh, I've been, uh, at an airport. In Canada, and have had to go through the whole detention process and and getting the person out of the the detention area and also try to convince them not to put them in uh, prison for the night because what the airline has to do is they have to fly that person back to the u s um if if they're unable to enter the country so that that could happen uh, I would definitely look into all those options there. There is a possibility to get into aviation afterwards. it might be limiting a little bit, especially on the international flying. But uh, if you're not going to Canada, that's a good thing because that's probably the the strictest I've seen, one of the strictest I've seen. I know, I think it was one or two other countries that are just as strict. I don't know, Tom. Have you had any experience
1: in that arena? Yeah, Canada's a problem. That that's for sure. Uh, but you know, in, in a, yeah, we we've had those scenarios too, and they're no they're no fun for anybody. Uh, but here's the the bottom line: this is not a deal breaker. Uh, you, from my perspective, it sounds like. <clears throat> you're ready to run. And so by no means uh are you going to be quote banned from aviation. I mean, it sounds like you are now charged up and ready to go. And and by the way, this is you know you know I'm looking at it and this may seem a little bit off, but uh, it's true. This is your woe to win story. I mean, this is a story that you'll be able to use to help you land jobs and show the value that you can bring. How you were down a road, you figured out how to get out of that road, and now today, how much of a better, stronger, more convicted person you are, and how much of a contribution you'll be able to make because of these experiences that maybe a lot of other people don't have. So, I'm not necessarily convinced this is a terrible thing, uh, and and that combined with the fact that this is not a deal breaker, you're you're not not going to be able to be in aviation because of it so um i i would say congratulations on figuring it out seeing the light and turning the direction that you decided to run and go for it uh, don't listen to the naysayers just like arnold said
0: i think that's great i as a matter of fact um maybe i'll change the title to this episode to so don't listen to the naysayers that is awesome <laughs> that, that is. is i i gotta put that somewhere that is really cool and i I'd, uh, I'm gonna have to look that up. I didn't realize Arnold Schwarzenegger would, would, would talked about that, and uh, I guess he does some speeches from time to time. But he is a neat, neat fellow. I mean, he's he's really uh, um, <laughs> he's a real inspiration to a lot of a lot of folks out there. Uh, let's see. Moving on here, I have well, I got a couple more here. So um, let's see. From uh, but Cam. Keep moving forward. Uh, if you have any other questions, let us know. If the thing about the Canadian uh, airspace concerns you, there are ways around it. I won't go into too many details here, but uh, it does involve a legal process, and it can be rectified. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll even do an episode on that or, or talk a little. It's quite detailed, so, so we might go into that in detail in the next episode. All right, moving on to the next question. It's from da, uh, Davin. Uh, Tom, you're hanging in there? We'll I'm good keep, to go. All right, good. Yeah, he's all the way on the other coast. It's like really late here, and I, I, I actually got in at 3 in the morning and, and flew it like afterwards at like 12, so wow. I, I'm pooped out. But that's all right. We've got to keep moving forward. This is awesome. Great questions here. Uh, next question from Davin. It's called Seeing It Through Fruition. It says, Dear Carl, thank you for producing your podcast. I've been listening since the beginning and have gained so much from it. Your discussion, topics, and answers to read a question have been a great resource of information and inspiration for me over the past couple years. I'm at a crossroads and I'm reaching out for some sound advice. If you have time to share some thoughts or insights, I'd truly appreciate it. Uh, he spent 16 years as a U.S. Air Force uh, as a C 141 Starlifter and C 5 Galaxy mechanic, and 12 years as a C 5 Galaxy flight engineer had a great time, saw the world, and made a good living. However, my goal has always been to become a pilot. I did not finish my bachelor's degree in time before age became a factor in becoming an Air Force pilot. With the opportunity missed, I continued flying as a flight engineer for several more years. Then the post-9-11 GI Bill became available. And changed my life. By the way, a flight engineer, you know, we have the pilot, the co-pilot. The flight engineer is actually the the person who runs the plumbing, I always say. That's the person that uh, does all the switches to the side. Computers. Uh, you may have seen them si- flying sideways in the cockpit. Now computers have taken the place of those. You still see some older airplanes that have a flight engineer. So there's actually three pilots in the cockpit. Remember in the old days you had the, the flight engineer, the communications, and also a, a navigator that was in the cockpit. Uh, so you, you know now we've gotten away from the flight engineer position. There's not too many professional flight engineers that left, although I know a few. I continue, or he continues. In early 2011, I made the decision to leave the Air Force to pursue the goal. I found a flight program that was established with a public institute of higher education and was able to use the GI Bill to pay for the flight training with zero out-of-pocket expense to me, a truly amazing benefit that I intended to make the most out of. The problem was the closest school that had all the G.I. Bill puzzle pieces together happened to be about 400 miles away from my home. After discussing things with my wife and making preparations, I decided to make the commute. I would rent a room and drive home on the weekends. And that's exactly what I did. I started the fall semester with a private certificate. Nine months later, at the end of the spring term, I had completed my commercial multi-engine instrument flight instructor, instrument instructor, multi-engine instructor, advanced ground instructor, and instrument ground instructor certificates, as well as earning a new associate's degree. Wow, you're making me tired just talking about that. Wow, that's terrific. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, he was. He says, he continues, I was offered an instructing job at the school and began teaching the summer of 2012 in Bend, Oregon. For a total of 24 months now, I've been busy working in Bend and commuting home. Sacramento, my wife has been very supportive throughout all this, to say the least, but we both agree that we can't manage it like this any longer. I have a three year old son that I miss dearly, which adds to the strain. The regionals are hiring, and I want to be hired. I'm very close to ATP minimums and believe that I could already qualify for a new restricted ATP certificate. At the end of August, I will be at about 100 hours shy of the 500 cross-country hours required for an unrestricted ATP. I make the decision to leave my CFI job at the end of the month as well. It is a place I have an interview uh, with a cargo airline next uh, – in, in its place, excuse me, I have an interview with a cargo airline Next week, yet I feel more lost than ever. I don't really want the schedule the cargo flying requires, but I feel like I would be the most expeditious way to build cross-country time in order to apply for a 121 regional. I have a lot to be f- thankful for. You sure do, and and have some, some good results of hard work. I'm 37 years old, a veteran with combat flight experience, 4,000 hours of flight engineer time, husband, father, and homeowner. I've never given up on my dream to become a professional pilot in the past 24 months have gone from private pilot to gold seal CFI, flight instructor. I've had 23 people successfully complete their checkride on their first attempt, maintaining a 100% pass rate. That's awesome. In between things, I also want to fly helicopters, yet just recently earned my private instrument certificates in Rotocraft. I now have 1,400 hours of pilot flight time. I share this not to brag, but to show that it can be done. I hope my story can reach guys and gals my age and give them hope. Well, it sure has. (laughs) What I could use is some advice on is making all this count. I feel lost as to how to present who I am, my qualifications, my work ethic, and personality. I have a wonderful family that needs me and needs more stability, and I need that first big break that I read and hear about so much. How do I get there from here? How do I see all this effort and sacrifice to fruition? Thank you, Carl, sincerely, for taking the time to read this very long letter. Boy, I tell you, that was truly an inspirational story.
1: That's and amazing.
0: He <laughs> he is driven. You know what? He's the door is almost open. Yep. It's uh, uh, gosh, if if we can hang in there just a little bit longer, there are just getting that ATP. If he's got fourteen hundred hours, is right around the corner. Once you have that ATP, you can go just about anywhere. I tell you what, the regionals right now, they're so short that they're, they're having signing bonuses uh, with the airlines. And getting back to I, – I really commend him for saying this. His family comes first. and Notice he's been able to really balance his family with his career. And now he's at a juncture where it's getting a little bit tougher for them because he wants to see his child more often. The cool thing about – and this is the goal you have to keep in mind. If you're flying and your goal is an airline, you can get home to Sacramento or wherever more often because of the fact that you have a really good schedule. Uh, if you're flying corporate, you normally have to move with that corporate job. But the cool thing is you're also home really often. I'm going to let Tom talk about that. But just like I said, as far as my example, I have 17 days off next month. I'm going to be home more than I'm going to be at work. Not only that, I'm going to be home, and that's all I'm going to be doing is hanging out at home and doing honey-do lists. <laughs> uh, but as far as, you know, even looking at a corporate job, there's so many corporate jobs out there that you could do, a uh, business aviation, and, and those keep you at home, too. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree, Tom?
1: Yeah, I would. And, and uh, you know, what else I would say is, uh, first of all, congratulations. That's on. Un- Believable, what yeah, that you've sure done—that—that's unbelievable. I just sat here as as you read, Carl, and just shook my head. I, it's unbelievable. The second thing is your wife rocks. You you have holy cow. You you have uh, a rare find there. So congratulations on that. You know, on the cargo job, Ameriflight, I believe, does a lot of night flying. So as as you as as Carl, as you spoke. I was thinking, well. And I don't know maybe all the details here, but the thought that was going through my head was if that job was an option, you would be able to be home most of the day or a good part of the day and then and then work at night, which would allow you to see your family more often. And maybe that's not the schedule in that particular base. I don't know. But that was a thought that came to my head. And the other the other thing that came to mind was uh, I think you mentioned Sacramento. And I've only been there a few times, but I, I believe that's... Uh, it 's not necessarily a dead airport, in other words, I no. believe there 's a lot of hangars and a lot of airplanes in and out of there, and um, might be worth a, a day walking around the airport, knocking on doors you know, Carl I think you mentioned earlier i 'm real big on the networking thing only because i 've just seen it work so many times, not just for myself but for other people too and when you When you mentioned a corporate flying as far as being home, I think there 's a clear delineation that that the listeners should know about here with regard to corporate flying because it gets bunched into this uh, corporate aviation bucket. And from what I've seen, there's essentially kind of two buckets here. There's there's corporate flying for a corporation, for a company, and then there's corporate flying for like charter or for a wealthy family or a wealthy individual. Those two buckets, I think, are going to have distinctly different schedules and different abilities to be home. The The corporate... Uh, Aviation for a corporation, for a company, I I I would be willing to bet would allow you to be home more often than corporate flying for a family or for charter. So if you're looking down the corporate route, and this is for anybody listening, just know that you know if you're going to work for a company that you know maybe they they build uh, they develop properties and they just happen to have an airplane. That's going to be a different schedule than a company who has five airplanes and charters them out. They're both corporate flying, but those will be different schedules. But, but congratulations of all you've done. And, and I would say, uh, you know, you're, you're inches from the gold vein. You're, you're inches. Just uh, maybe it's time to have a, a good talk with your wife. And, and it sounds like she'd be on board just to dig those last two inches and get that 1,500 hours so you can get on with an airline.
0: Yeah, you know, I I agree with that. Also, it it is truly just inches away, and and to add to that, if anybody's thinking of of giving up right near uh, an ATP, I'd oh, say don't do that because don't. one of the most important things right now in the next year or two, and in general, going forward, is to have your ATP. Uh, it's kind of like having your college degree. No one can take it away from you. You, know, you always, yeah. always have that certificate, and you can't get a job because of the laws now without that ATP unless you actually can come apply with a, you know, a restricted type of ATP. But, but right now, gosh, if you could just hang in there just a little bit longer. 100 hours. Gosh, it's nothing. I mean, that's, uh,
1: that's. You'd have that it, by 2014.
0: Exactly. And that's when you have to have the ATP. So I, I think that's. Uh, I would. I would say give it a few more months and see what you can do. And and if you have to, just go rent a plane for a hundred. Although that's kind of expensive, so don't do that. But,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but certainly you yeah. can find somebody. I mean, yeah. I, I I'll if if I was in Sacramento, I'll go out on the doors and knock with you. Certainly you can find someone who you have the way that you wrote that email. Obviously you can communicate these abilities well. So you just need 30 seconds in front of somebody to buy you a half hour with coffee to tell them how much value you can bring. Uh, certainly, I'd, I'd, that's not the challenge. You're just – you're two inches from it. Just keep going.
0: Yes, I agree. I agree. But again, uh, the point to everybody else too is that get that ATP if you're thinking of a job Yeah. Uh, in, in the airlines or anywhere. Just the, it, it, it helps have the ATP just in general, uh, period, yep. Even even not just now but even before. It's like that's, oh, you have your ATP. Oh, there's one more thing we don't have to worry about. This person can get, the, has their ATP. So I think that that's terrific. Uh, so I hope that's helped you with your question there. And I, I'd say you're, like you said, you're right there. You're knocking at the door and it's about to open. So I, I think I think you'll get there if you just hang in a little bit longer. But, uh, and it brings up a good point. One of the most important things you can do if you're into the job of aviation, because it is tough. It's tough because you have, most of us have families. And you have to coordinate that with your family. But always, always keep your significant other involved in all these major decisions. Yeah. It really is important if you want to keep that relationship going. Uh, so I think that's a, a really important thing. No matter what you're doing financially financially. Or, or in your career so share this with that person if, if you could Evan. and I appreciate the question our next question we have two more by the way and, and we'll be done here uh, these are great questions by the way so keep keep them coming in we're on a
1: final approach we're on a final <laughs> approach
0: we're not going around oh no it's always an option that's right it's always an option don't ever say you'll. we could go around. another hour <laughs> we, yeah, we could I definitely could I mean we could talk about all, all sorts of topics here let's just talk corporate aviation I'll go on for five hours because I have so many more questions now uh, uh, but, but here here's uh, uh, James' question. He says, Hello, Carl. I've been a longtime listener to your podcast, Aviation Careers Podcast. I'm a private pilot with about 150 hours, and I've always wanted to become a commercial-slash-airline pilot. Long story short, age crept up on me, and now that I'm in my late 40s, feel like it's too late for me to continue training and eventually to realize my dream. Well, let's see. Before he goes on, he's going to talk about somebody else. But I tell you what, I, I don't think 40s is too late to do that. Um, it, But you have to realize that uh, there's some limitations as far as the airlines are concerned. Uh, one thing I do tell people that are in their 40s is go for the airline job, but also keep in mind some of the corporate jobs that are out there uh, because there is no age limit on the, some of those corporate jobs too. So while you're an airline pilot gaining lots of good experience, start looking at jobs that don't have that age limitation on them uh, if that's the, an option for you. Or you know, just stick with the airlines. Just realize you're not going to make as much money because there is an age limitation. Uh, okay, he continues. With that said, I am writing for someone I know who just turned 33. She was recently exposed to flying and is seriously contemplating career change. With all the choices out there on learning how to fly either Part 61 or 141, what would you suggest? Knowing she's already 33, she's looking for advice on whether to have a fast-track course to get her ratings or just visit the local FBO and start flying as much as she can. She's currently working... Uh, but ready to take a leave of absence or quit in order to completely focus on training. She's very serious about the change, but is very confused on how to get there. She's looking for any advice you can provide. Does it make sense for her to take the fast track or just stick with the FBO? Also, what would be your suggestion on purchasing a used airplane while training? Uh, would this truly reduce the overall cost of learning? Thanks for creating Aviation Careers podcast. I look forward to every new episode. James, James, Thanks for listening, and thanks for asking that question. As far as a Part 61, Part 141, 141, normally you have to put some money down. It is a quicker path. If someone can concentrate on that, it's a great idea. I'll tell you what I've done. I've done both of the programs, a part Part 61 and Part 141. Amazingly enough, you can get through it quicker on Part 61. Some people can, but it's a huge commitment. Uh, part 141, if you're going to just take a whole bunch of time and you have the money to do it, then I would just just jump in and you can take a leave of absence, that would be the ultimate goal. Because number one, you didn't lose your job, your last job. If it doesn't work out, you can go back to that job. That's taking a leave of absence. If you quit, then you may not be able to go back to that job. And, uh, you know, jobs aren't that easy to get these days, not that they ever were. But uh, so I I would really, you know, start thinking about that. But if you're going to really go for it, put your ducks in a row and jump in with both feet. I have a, a really, really good friend and also a student of mine. Who, what he did is he saved his money and said, that's it. This is what I'm going to do. I have three years that I can live on. And, uh, and that's what he did. He jumped in, did a 141. He was instructing within six months and wound up with an airline within two years. So that's something that, that you really should, and, and two years is going to be a long time nowadays because the airlines, especially the regionals are hiring again since the majors are also hiring again. So I, I think that, uh, Sticking with a, with a, a one, an FBO can be good if you're making progress and you're able to commit to doing it. Uh, you know, I, and I've done that with other ratings too, is that, you know, I committed to going there every single day and was able to get through that. So, uh, um, I, I would, I would highly recommend you're looking at both of those options and saying to yourself, can I afford it? and can i take a leave of absence to do it if you take a leave of absence the 141 program will actually get you your ratings a little bit quicker uh if you can do that financially now going to uh the used airplane route uh can it reduce your overall training uh, you know I, I i'll uh you know as far as full disclosure here i've one of the ways that i built most of my multi time is i paid for it you know i did the 100 dollar hamburger thing uh, did it reduce the overall cost of training, of learning, of you know, using an airplane, of learning? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I uh, uh, if you're if you're flying all the time, uh, say fifty, sixty hours a month, uh, up to a hundred, it does reduce your flight time, and it won't reduce your instruction time because your instructor is still going to cost the same amount of money. But I will say this. Uh you can sometimes work out deals with instructors if you don't own an airplane and say, Hey, listen, you know, you teach me and I'll let you go up in the pattern and, and and go, you know, around the pattern a few times. Looking at the overall cost, yeah, there's uh if you're looking at the direct operating cost, yes it's cheaper. But remember that you're gonna have to maintain that airplane and then you're also gonna have to sell it in the end. It could actually wind up costing you more money. But direct operating cost, yeah, it'll be cheaper but but it may not be in the long run, so you have to be really careful there. Uh As far as the FBOs and 141, I'm a, a big fan of both. Uh You can get it done quickly either way. If you're going to take the time off, I'd say jump into a good 141 school, but if you have a good 61 school, I would jump into that also. And uh, hope I hope that hasn't confused you too much there, but it, it all depends on the quality of the training that you're getting because there are some really good 61 schools and uh, some really good 141 schools, so you have to actually look at the quality.
1: Yeah, this is like uh, you know, this is like going into business. You know, you want to find the right people, and they you may find them at the sixty one school, you may find them at the one forty one school. So it's really, you know, but I too, Carl, lean towards that one forty one thing. It sounds like the money is there. It sounds like the time is there. And if, you know, getting all the certifications as fast as you can is the goal. Uh, that might, you know, I lean like you, Carl, over the 141 side. The other, the other thing, too, to think about with regard to this airplane, and Carl, you've been down this road of owning airplanes. I, I haven't. So maybe you can, maybe I'm wrong in what I'm saying here, or about to say. But, you know, I think I'm putting myself in James's shoes here, and I'm thinking, do I want to get into, you know, the, the, the business of getting my certificates, or do I want to get into the business of owning an airplane? And from the sound of that email, it sounds like we just want certificates. So I'm not so much seeing the match with owning an airplane uh, in this scenario. It it sounds like, like you said, Carl, that might uh, come back. It might be more risk there than is worth it if fast track is the goal.
0: Yeah, and I have to agree with that because um yeah, it's great to have an airplane at your disposal. Again, it it also, you know, you have to look at the individual. Uh, if you are have the means, uh then yes, it would be great to have your own airplane. I have clients that I work with that, you know, a $300,000 airplane, they write a check and they have one. Uh if you're in that financial, you know, they're in that that bracket, um, then yeah, I think it's great. I think you should yeah. do it. It's more the convenience factor. It's your airplane and you're flying it. But, uh, if you're not, eh, financially, I don't think it's the greatest idea unless you, say, make money with the airplane somehow. If you become an instructor and you start teaching in it, but then you have all these other costs and all of a sudden you're stuck with a business that you have to leave behind once you start working for an airline or a corporate department. So, good point, Tom. I, li- I like that. So yeah, I, I not, I, I lean away. Uh, I <laughs> I have not seen it work out that great for people when they buy into an airplane. And that's not, not to say I haven't seen success stories. I'll give you one. I know somebody who bought into a, uh, a, uh, what do you call it? Aztec. And, uh, this thing was like a truck. And then, but it was a bunch of partners in the airplane. And then that person sold their partnership to another person who was wanting to build a lot of multi time. So that worked out fairly well. Uh, but it wasn't a total ownership, and uh, there was a there was a goal in mind and an end in mind as far as that financial situation. So I would uh, think think about that.
1: Almost sounds like he approached it with a business plan.
0: Yep, exactly. Had a plan of when to get out. You know, yep. whenever you buy anything, you you have to plan on on, on what you're going to do with that and and what your exit strategy is. I think that's my personal opinion. But uh but thanks again for that question. I think uh, hopefully we've helped to answer that question there James. And if you have any more please uh send us some if you have any follow-up questions. And everybody if you have any follow-up questions uh, I I invite them. One more question and then uh it's uh from Marcus. Uh I'm going to editorialize this a little bit. I don't want to I don't want to uh give away too much uh, some of the people he's working for but it says, "Hello Carl. I'm a frequent listener of the podcast and noticed you seem to have extensive knowledge when it comes to aviation as a whole." Uh he's a graduate of a, a large institution and currently finishing his flight training at a uh, flight school that does a accelerated program. I know many pilots frown on f- frown on fast track programs and schools uh and and I do not disagree entirely. My question I have is what advice can you offer on CFI school? Any information out there can help me. Do you have any information out there that can help me? I'm set to leave for CFI school the first week of September down in Florida, and to be honest, I'm nervous from all the horror stories I have been hearing about. It seems as though examiners fail people for anything. I study hard and work even harder when it comes to flying. I have never failed any written, oral, or check writing. I don't want to bust on my CFI initial, so I'm turning to you for some Expert advice. Thank you for your time, and I hope to hear from you. Uh, I I actually wrote him back, and I am, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I said. You know, the fast track programs, I think they can be terrific. It all, again, depends on the person that is actually given the instruction. I'll give you an example. I fly with a bunch of uh, fighter pilots, and most of these guys, like in the Navy I know, within 200 hours, 180, 200 hours, they're flying solo in an F-18, as a fighter, at 180 hours. Uh, so their fast track program works. It can work everywhere else. I, I And I don't like to use that term, fast track. I like to use the total immersion program. I used to do initial flight training. Um, there was a point, and it's been multiple times throughout the history of the Air Force, where they've gone to civilians uh, to do contract work. And I helped out with doing initial flight training uh, for the Air Force. And... These people were so darn motivated, they came in five days a week. You'd consider that a fast track also, but it's a total immersion program and it worked out terrific. And a lot of these folks got their, got their, excuse me, their private pilot within that four weeks, say, that they were working on. So, uh, I don't frown on them at all. I think they can be terrific. Uh, it all depends. On the type of program it is. Now, I will caution you on this. I've seen programs where they've had four people in the cockpit and everybody was logging time. That I, I kind of have some issues with. (laughs) So, uh, just make sure that it's legal and it's safe. So, so I'd be, you know, be careful there. Um, but as, and, and addressing the, and and Tom, do you have anything to say as far as the fast track programs or, or the immersion programs?
1: No, I, I think that, um, you know, make your own decision. You know, go go down to Florida and whether you're looking at the, the total immersion, the fast track or, or regular type of program, make your own decision because uh, if you're going down there to get your CFI, you've been in aviation long enough to know what to look for, to know what things mean, to know how things are going to turn out based on what you see. So so uh, take a breath and uh, go down there, have fun and make your own decision. And And by the way, if that uh, uh institution that you're looking at, if all those horror stories end up being true, guess what there's other institutions out there where you could go get this done so um uh that that would be um my advice. take a breath and go check it out for yourself
0: sure sure oh, and uh what he talks about as far as this the flight instructor uh rating and the high rate of failures, let's address that question you know there is a high rate of failures on the on the first uh uh exam, and our districts between seventy and eighty percent. Do not pass on their first try. Um, many of these flight schools have their own CFI program, flight instructor program, where they have their own examiners and they go through these training gates and then all of a sudden you have your CFI. Those are some pretty cool programs. Uh, they're, they are very strict and it doesn't mean their failure rate's not going to be high. Uh, but you know, you have to be careful. Uh, I'll, you know, honestly, I've seen airlines where upgrades in some classes can be, uh, their failure rates can be very high. Uh, so it all depends on, on you uh, and on studying. So, when you're when you're going for your exam, just make sure you're over prepared. This CFI is the toughest exam you'll ever do. Just be ready for a whole day of just doing an oral exam, eight hours of oral examination, and then another day of just doing flight instructing. Honestly, the flight portion is the easiest portion of the exam in my in my view. It's the knowledge base that you have and the ability. To relate that knowledge base to a student is what the, the instructor or the examiner is trying to figure out with you as the instructor. And if you can get that through to that person, then yeah, you'll, you'll be successful in that exam. There are some instructors or some examiners that can be tougher than others, but remember this. You're about to be a flight instructor you're about to be the one imparting knowledge onto other pilots that are then going to be flying in this aviation community and that's an incredibly important job so you, i think you really need to approach this exam like no other because you are the one that's forming our future aviators and there's nothing more important than that in the aviation world uh, i think i think you really have to look at it that way uh, but there's um as far as as practical tests i, I i'll also say this: I have had a lot of people come to me to do the c f i and me to train them to get their c f i and and I'd say about half of them haven't finished and the reason being is that i i don't i don't let my instructors fail their their check ride they have to know it well enough to do it right on the first try, and it's not easy it really isn't easy so uh it it really it's it's a lot of preparation. Uh, and, and adequate preparation. Uh Tom I'm sure you've been through you have uh, Tom what what uh, flight instructor ratings do you have?
1: Um yeah I'm CFII, um AGI. Uh, I haven't used them in a long time but I keep them current. Uh, I always renew them um and, and still keep current on those because, you know, like the ATP, that's a, that's a certificate that you want to get. And, and once you get it, you don't want to lose it. it's uh, I don't know if I'll ever flight instruct again, but certainly by staying current, uh, it helps me in my corporate flying too. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was down that road. And, uh, you know, the funny thing you mentioned about the high failure rates, I think of, uh, I just had a friend who took the bar exam. And if you look at the bar exam, the the failure rates there are... They're very high. And I was listening to another podcast actually last week where it was about a doctor who had failed the uh, – and I, and, and I apologize if there are doctors listening to this. I, I don't remember exactly how your industry works, but he wanted to be a pediatrician and he failed the pediatrician board exam or the board exam for doctors. But, but in any event – Very smart guy. If you listen to him talk, he really knows what he's talking about. But he failed that too. So you know, the CFI is not immune to high failure rates. The 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 moral of the story is is we're at these are very high level certifications. And Carl, you mentioned being over prepared. I I I think that, you know, would you be I look at it like this and every flight aren't you over prepared? I mean don't you want to be over prepared for every flight? Uh, your sure. CFI is no different. You want to be ready to handle whatever comes at you and you will. The the more you study, the more you prepare, the more you go out and do it and practice like anything, you will be over prepared. And uh but but y- this is a high level certificate and it comes with a high level of responsibility and therefore unfortunately potentially a high level of failure as well. But uh study up, you'll do fine. If you're listening to this podcast, you're serious about Aviation, uh, so you're you're already ahead. I, I would say.
0: Good good point, Tom. I think if if you're somebody who's really serious about flying and about aviation, the CFI exam is is not going to be that big of a deal for you. I think. No. I just had a, a friend of mine pass it, uh, and he said it. Re- he went to the FAA. He didn't see, think it was that big of a deal, but uh, he was later on in life, and he uh, he was very serious about it. Uh, if you're just getting it just to get a, a, a certificate, it may not work out for you because uh, you may not be approaching it the way you should.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good point, Carl. If you, I think if you view it, and, and it's funny because as you said it, I thought back to all the people I know who had trouble with their CFIs, and I think if it's viewed as a stepping stone, then there will be greater headwinds in getting the certificate. If it's viewed as a professional part of your professional career, which it is, uh, you'll have less headwinds. It'll be easier oh that 's for sure that 's for sure
0: and and uh, just adding to this question from Marcus, I actually had written Marcus back because he was trying to make this decision uh, before this uh, this episode, and uh, I had mentioned that there was a little delay in this episode coming out so this is this is marcus 's reply to basically what we talked about uh, marcus 's reply is this he said, "I just want to say thank you for the update about the delayed episode. I really don 't know how to thank you enough for taking the time out of your schedule to help me out." I'm humbled and forever grateful because I know just how busy you and the other cast members are. You really have embedded a big boost of confidence in me and also the understanding of what needs to be done in order to succeed at my goal of passing my CFI initial on the first shot. I'm also glad to know how you do not disagree with the fast track programs. I will say it is definitely intense and total immersion. I have pretty much put my whole life on hold for six months to accomplish what I have longed to do since I was a young kid. I promise your time was not wasted, and I will shoot you an email just to let you know the progress. Thank you again for your time in the podcast. Have a great day. Well, Marcus, that was a great way to end all of our questions. Uh, Again, this is what we're doing for you. I mean, this is hopefully helping you. And, uh, it helps us. I mean, it, it's really fulfilling to both Tom and I to hear these stories. And I hope, Marcus, you will, uh, respond with your progress. I hope also that, that everybody who's written in or anybody that has any suggestions as far as their progress or through training or anything we've mentioned and they want to add to our discussion, send that in as a comment. It's at com uh, slash contact. That's a great way to get in touch with us. But I, I think that, all of you have have really been I think dedicated to this field of aviation. I think that shows through and you' you're listening to these things to these podcasts, uh, reading books and there's many different avenues you can go down to to make yourself a better pilot, to make yourself a better instructor and to make your business, a better business that business being that of being an instructor or a pilot so there's lots of resources out there I hope that like if you really appreciate this podcast that you'll go to the website com and visit some of our sponsors we have a lot of sponsors down the right side of the column like uh, you know if you shop at Amazon click on our website that helps us out because we get a little commission you, you know there's nothing no change in the price that you have there uh, if you also listen to audiobooks there's a lot of audiobooks that I suggest in Aviation Careers Podcast com slash audible if you uh, aren't signed up for audible i actually get a commission on that and that helps uh, produce this podcast here uh if you again have any questions i encourage you to go to aviationcareerspodcast.com also if you're into more of the flying side of things and aviation careers we're also going to have some links uh at aviation careers podcast but as far as specific aviation flying, when, when we get into the de- nitty-gritty details, I have another website where I consult with many other experts in the aviation field about specific flying examples and some really in-depth conversations about flying, and that's at expertaviator.com. So that's my blog, uh, and of course, this is the podcast here, so I, I encourage you to go out there and listen to that. Tom, gosh, you know this has been uh this has been great having you on tonight I'm glad you, you took the time out of your your schedule to to, to talk to folks
1: here and, and relate your experiences oh this is great i i, I you know I've, I, look we've all been in the beginning of this career, and uh, if I can give back to help anybody out um of course Carl you know I know they can send uh, uh stuff to you and you've always been real good about forwarding that to me and i I'll get back to anybody with any advice that I could give you and I will tell you this you know this career is is not an easy career. But something I heard somebody tell me a, a while ago, and they were talking about a different topic, but they said, don't ask, will it be hard? Because uh, it will. And, and I think, Carl, you and I can attest. It will be hard. There will be trying times. Uh, you know, There will be family you want to go to. There will be other things you want to do, and, and the money might not be there, or you might have failed something. There will be tough times. But, Carl, I think you could attest. Uh, don't ask, will it be hard? Just ask, will it be worth it? And I, I can promise you, uh, it is so worth it. And uh, and, and you know, you're, if you're listening to this, you're you're so close. Keep digging, and you will get there, and it will be worth it.
0: Uh, and you know, I tell you, this is such a cool career, and and it is worth it because you get to be involved with people from many different walks of life. It's it's not like a regular job, aviation. No. It's people are very passionate about it. I'll give you an example. Today, I had a wonderful experience of flying with a flight attendant, uh, and she had left the field and got into, I think it was uh, working as at uh, as a travel agent or something like that. But she missed it so much, and she loved the fact that you know even though the pay wasn't great and she had to start all over, she gets to fly the world for free. And I said, wow. <laughs> You know that that is that that's such a great attitude and you know I could tell she she just beamed and and you could tell she had this passion for this field and the whole flight crew was was the same they all had this passion I started talking to each one of them one was a police officer the other one had worked in another field she actually had been a flight attendant went tried to work in another field but but they all said you know what we all talk about it and complain about it this field of aviation and gosh we have to be in the middle of buffalo in january <laughs> but you know we were on the beach over in you know the islands and uh enjoying ourselves and that was just a week ago so there's the good and the bad, but the good sure does outweigh the bad in this industry. And uh, once you have that passion for aviation, it's something you won't get rid of. And, and yeah. people just can't leave it; they keep coming back to it. And and there's a reason for that. So yep. uh, so when people complain about it, you, ask them, you know, why why are you still in this in the aviation career? It's like, oh, I'm not gonna leave. It's such a great job. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, it sure, sure
1: beats working uh, beats working for a living. That's exactly right.
0: So Tom, how can they get in touch with you if they got a, other than coming here to aviation? podcast.com uh how else can they get in touch with you
1: Well you know Carl your audience they're they're so astute and you've really got great listeners and you know as I listen to all these questions and I listen to the other podcasts they all love aviation so so if they want to get more of me they could they can do that where I talk about the private jet side of aviation at Private Jet Podcast Dot com And I think uh, there's short little episodes and a uh, little bit of information there if you want to learn about the private or the corporate jet side of aviation.
0: Great. And again, if you can, go to AviationCareersPodcast.com and, uh, and sign up for our newsletter. I'm going to start putting out more information, just some short little blurbs as far as uh, what's new on the website. I'm going to try to start updating as far as, you know, we talked about loans, grants, scholarships, flight schools, those type of things, where you can find that information. I'm going to start putting those out in newsletters. You know, mention it here, but also start putting those out into newsletters. If a job comes up that uh, we find out about, we're going to send that out. So uh, just to keep you informed, also don't forget about uh, our Twitter feed, at Flying Careers. And also, uh, like our Facebook page, and uh, you'll get updates. I mean, it's going to be great for you. It'll really help you out. Well, guys, you know, I I really appreciate your being here, Tom, and also I appreciate everybody listening. And and don't forget to to keep looking forward and, and pursue your aviation career goal. As you notice from all these questions, there's so many different things that people are looking to do in aviation, but they all have one thing in common. They're passionate about what they're doing. So make sure you keep that passion and keep it burning because that is going to help you persevere through to your aviation career goal. Again, thanks for listening and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream, and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your
1: own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.